at some point we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds.
right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We usually do this show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Okay, good. <laughs> so even when we're say- not, even when we're not live, we still have fucking problems. Anyway, I'm producer Dave. Uh, that's twitchtv slash Media, and uh, you can find me uh, other places too. <laughs> I was like, am I being called to heaven? Like, is this my time? Uh, greetings, everyone. This is the Councilman. You can find me at the underscore Councilman on Twitter um, and also all over the EchoplexMedia.com website. Check us out there for more ways you can support this network and all the fantastic programming that we provide to the community. Um, if you want to give us some show bucks, you can do that on Patreon. You can also do that by uh, subscribing on Twitch. So mash that subscribe button and, uh, you know, keep, keep checking us out. And sorry we couldn't be live this week, but we hope you're downloading and listening to this on uh, the podcast version. Yeah, and just make sure you're following the podcast on your pod catcher of choice and check out our other podcasts. You can just type Echoplex Media into most of them, although if you type that into Spotify, it doesn't work for whatever fucking reason. You have to search for the individual podcast name. Um, Rude. Yeah, we weren't live last night because we had some bandwidth issues. Uh, it's really odd that uh, most of the people I know who have like really spotty internet are here in the Silicon Valley, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I, that actually came up recently at a, a city council meeting locally in San Jose where uh, a council member from uh, Almaden, a very affluent neighborhood, uh, complained that, uh, you know, he was having trouble logging on to their Zoom meetings um, because the internet in his neighborhood is not so great and got himself in a little kerfuffle for putting his, his foot in it a bit by <laughs> saying, even in my affluent neighborhood, we have bad internet. So I, I, I feel for the, the people in the poorer communities who don't have the internet. I think it might be because all the shit was laid here first, and so everything's old. That's primarily what it is. Like my uh, familial home in Willow Glen um, suffers from the same the same issue, and it's in a very old neighborhood. Um. Anyway, well, uh, welcome, welcome to our our belated show, and thank you all, listener, for uh for being here with us. Hope we uh we it was it was the holidays, so um to be honest, uh the derp was. A little hard to come by, but we managed to scrape together, I think, a fantastic docket um, that will entertain you for the next hour or so. Hopefully. And I think we can jump right into it, if you like, with leading off. Yeah, well, uh, it seems like Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four charges. Yeah, and not guilty on a few others, and then undecided on a few others. So we'll learn a little bit more from NBC Bay Area. A billionaire and the darling of Silicon Valley, she promised a revolutionary blood testing technology. Tonight, though, Elizabeth Holmes is a convicted felon. Less than an hour ago, the jury returned its verdict in her trial. She was facing 11 charges, the jury returning four guilty verdicts, one for conspiracy against Theranos investors, two for wire fraud, and one for wire fraud against Theranos investors. Here the four counts the jury said she was not guilty of committing. One count of conspiracy against patients, one count of test results, and two counts of patient results. The jury also declaring a mistrial on three remaining counts. Let's get right to it. Let's bring in business and tech reporter Scott Budman. Budman's been in the court almost every single Budman. day. All right, let's start with Elizabeth Holmes herself. What a cool name. When they right. read those, some guilty, some not, what was her reaction? Well, good evening, Jessica. Her reaction was pretty stone-faced throughout the reading of the different charges. 
And as you mentioned, they sort of ping-ponged around. It wasn't a whole lot of guilty or not guilty in a row. Some were guilty, some not guilty. But as it became clear that she was going to be found guilty on multiple charges, you could see her look down a bit. Her family was silent. In fact, the whole courtroom was silent. There were many times during this trial that lasted pretty much four months where I sensed tension and things got very quiet, but none so more than this afternoon as the verdict was read. After all of the charges. It's pretty long, and I think those are kind of the broad strokes of what happened there. Yeah, very much so, especially since we've been following this on previous episodes of this fabulous podcast and vidcast and stream. Uh, so, Producer Dave, thoughts about uh, the verdicts? She got found guilty of fucking over the rich people and not potentially fucking over the uh, patients that might be. That's pretty, that's very American. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was absolutely my read just from reading the Chiron, right? Um, you know, guilty of, of defrauding investors, not guilty of screwing over the patients. That really, at the end of the day, she was trying, like, purportedly trying to help, right? Um, those are the, those are the end users. So uh, once again, yeah, the the user or the patient gets screwed. Um, the doctor gets sued, but more than likely, neither one of them is paying for it, right? It's going to be. Well, it could just be that this wasn't really going out to patients in any significant way at this point, so it was impossible mm. to like prove that she had defrauded any patients. Sure, no, I, I, it's understandable. I mean, I, at the very least, she was. I, 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 I frankly thought it would be either a mis mistrial or not guilty on all charges. Um, but she somehow avoided blonde lady um, syndrome and and got convicted. So we'll see. Sentencing will be a ways off, um, and I think the government's going to have to decide what they want to do about the other counts um, that were declared a mistrial. They can try to try her again on those counts if they want, but um, do they want to uh, cut and run and 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 quit while they're ahead and get her on four counts and hopefully get more than a couple months in prison out of this um, so they can send a a message? I don't know. Um, I don't think there's much point in um, going after her again on the the mistrial charges. It would seem to be a waste of taxpayer dollars and resources and time. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, it could just end up in a mistrial again. There's more than likely a reason. They'll look. I mean, they'll look at the reasoning. I'm sure they can find out why um, jurors were locked on it and try to make a better case. But she'll. I mean, they're, they're more than likely. You know, she might even appeal this this sentence in the first place, right? The guilty charges. So more than likely, they're back in court on this anyway. So do they want to fight the appeal and go back and fight those other uh, charges at the same time and spend more and more and more millions of dollars of taxpayer money in in legal bills, or do we just want to quit while we're ahead? I would hope. I would hope the latter, um, and hope that she gets a good and that the judge does not take it easy and gives her a good hard sentence of jail time so that she can or prison time so that um so it does set some sort of example um i don't know but, but they, again, they they convicted her of like they convicted her of the stuff that i thought was kind of based you know mm -hmm. no the, the fraud the, the defrauding the, investors the fraud, defrauding henry kissinger yeah yeah <laughs> poor henry kissinger he's the victim i guess in this case um yeah well it, it, one, uh, one take i thought was just really annoying frankly um I forget where I heard this, or the good wife and I heard this on one of the news channels, was, you know, what what will this mean as far as, um, you know, affecting investment and VC investment in female-led companies? And it's just, I thought it was a really odd question to ask and a really odd framing for it, um, uh, given that, I mean, it's already a 
obviously there's already a discrepancy and a problem there. We all know it, but it's like, why would you ask that in this particular circumstance? Why would this, you know, and maybe because it's true, maybe because it does affect investors' opinions, but it shouldn't, right? But one dumb white lady who defrauded some people, right, like shouldn't be representative of all women, <laughs> all, all, all women in tech, all entrepreneurial women, right? But I, so I thought it was a really annoying question even to ask, right? Or, or, or perspective to raise, premise to raise. People have been asking that since people have been asking that since the beginning, and um, it's just like Kara Swisher said that nobody ever asks that if it's a man who gets convicted. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Especially not a white man, right? No, no chance. Um, and look at the scumbags that run most of these, you know, large tech companies. These scumbag white dudes, right? And they are scumbags. A lot of them, um, and they get away with being scumbags, you know, because no one's gonna no one's gonna step to them. So yeah, I. I it's a frustrating situation on all fronts. Um, it would be great to have a, honestly, to have a tool or a company that can take one drop of blood from you and give you all that information back. Because I got to tell you, just going through a lot of medical work recently, um, the, you know, the, the, the number of different blood draws they have to get from you just to check multiple different things, right? Like I bet you, anyone who's given blood before when they've been sick or had to give a blood sample, usually they're taking like six vials you know, to test for six or eight different things. If they could, if there was some miracle test that could just prick your finger and tell you all that shit, that would be invaluable. That'd be revolutionary. Um, so I do wish this shit existed. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it looks like we have to wait a little longer. But um, when, when someone does actually develop technology that does that, they're going to make a fucking shit ton of money. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, the problem is that it's a, supposedly a miracle tech, right? And like, that's the, the, yeah. the key word there is that like, miracles yeah. aren't real usually when we call things medical yeah. miracles the result the result of decades and decades of tireless work by people whose names you're never going to hear correct like they, they didn't just someone didn't just um like go into an operating room and miraculously replace a heart right or or like they went like macgyver and built a an artificial heart in like the closet the storage closet or something right and brought it into the <laughs> surgical room and implanted it that took years and years and years and years of development right and, and testing and, and getting that product ready to go into someone um and to be successful so even though it was revel it was a miracle you know theoretically i mean it is a miracle um that we can keep ourselves alive that way um in a way depending on how you view a miracle, but um, certainly revolutionary. So, well, I mean, hope, hey, hope someone does develop. Who's to say they can't? I don't think anything's impossible. So hopefully someone can do that one day. So I'm getting a little of myself back from you. Can, are you, can you pop in some headphones if you don't have them? Yeah, absolutely. Cool, thank you. And like turn off speakers or whatever. Yeah. Just keep, just keep talking, man. Just keep, keep talking, talking, man. Just keep talking, man. Keep Just keep talking, man. Keep Just keep talking, talking man. Just keep talking, right. man. Good. We're good. Fabulous. Yep. None of myself back. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. You got it. All right. So we're going to go on to winners and losers. And um, this is the segment where uh, there either are no winners or if we do have winners, they're just the winners you don't want to have win. They're still losers. They're still losers. So this first story seems to be about the different variants of COVID. And it's coming from NBC Bay Area, and we'll let them uh, do the talking real quick. 
Turning now to the latest on the pandemic, new numbers show just how fast the newest variant is spreading. The U.S. added nearly 500,000 new cases yesterday, a new one-day record with Omicron, now the dominant strain over Delta. Now the CDC is reporting more than 63,000 people are hospitalized with the virus nationwide. After a reporting delay over the holiday weekend, California's numbers have suddenly jumped. The latest update shows our positivity rate has quadrupled in the last two weeks to nearly 10%. California is averaging more than 87 600 new cases a day, and we have just become the first state to record 5 million total cases. Hooray! As health leaders are now urging Californians to go back to the basics, and that includes canceling major New Year's Eve events, shutting down some businesses again, and kindly asking everyone to wear their masks at every indoor business once again. Today in the Bay's Bob Riddell is live outside a gym in San Ramon where the change is taking effect today. Hey, Bob. Hey, good morning to you, Kira. Yes, uh, starting today, people working out in this 24-hour fitness behind me in San Ramon and other lo gym locations uh, throughout Contra Costa County will have to wear a mask when they're inside. The Contra Costa Health Services requiring masks at all businesses indoors, regardless of vaccination status. Again, that's starting today. For the past Can we just pause this really quick? People at many of the counties. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, this image in the background, uh, I know. I'm sorry, podcast listener, but uh, it, it it looks as though there's some sort of nuclear holocaust coming, like nuclear missiles uh, coming in on uh, uh, Europe. Basically, is the the background image while they're discussing the Omicron variant. I just wanted to wanted to point that out. It reminds me of a Mike Lindell video I watched where he had the same kinds of uh, like arcs going, but he mm -hmm. was saying that the little dots on them were packets of voter fraud. <laughs> 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 and they're coming into phoenix and they're coming into atlanta and they're coming into, into philadelphia <laughs> anyway just, just wanted to give the uh, listener a little visual of uh, what's going on behind the scenes here when you grab the video of this uh not on youtube because we got kicked off of youtube for talking about local government meetings which is stupid um but you can find it on Odyssey. That's Echoplex Media. That's the platform we've kind of chosen because there's people specifically on Odyssey that we would like to counter program against so that's why we've Excellent. chosen that as our main video platform to be antagonistic as is usual. Um, also, I noticed that the the hospitalization rate is like seems to be because it was four four hundred thousand cases, right? Four hundred in change, and then sixty thousand people in the hospital. Seems like the hospitalization rate's kind of high. Yeah, uh, more than like because so. one in ten would be like forty forty thousand in change, and it's over forty thousand. Right. right. I mean, one one must assume that. You know, everyone going to the hospital actually has it. Um, and then there's probably a, a good number of folks out there who have it but don't know it and aren't getting tested, right, either. So, um, so it, but yeah, out of, the, out of the percentage of those who are being tested and positing, testing positive, that is a really high percentage. Although I've, it's been, it's said, you know, it's said, the rumor mill says that Omicron is not as virulent of uh, a variant <laughs> as the others, um, and, and meaning that the symptoms aren't as pronounced. That being said, um, I think that's, I, I don't know how they determine that. Um, and I guarantee you, if you're vaccinated, it's probably a lot less. They're, they're, a lot, they're a lot more limited than they would be if you are not vaccinated. What I'm hearing is that it doesn't lodge so much in the lungs and that your head cold symptoms might actually be more severe, but you're, you're less likely to have like shallow breathing and mm -hmm. the kind of really scary stuff that goes along yeah. with COVID. Yeah. So you may yeah, have like a, what feels like a really bad cold but there's going to be less of it in your lungs. At least that's right. what I'm, 
I don't know. I just, I'm not a virologist. I suggest everybody read the science-based medicine blog. If you're ever con- concerned about whether or not the information you're getting is good, because one, they're usually right. And then two, if they got it wrong, they'll tell you. So right. <laughs> just, consult your physicians. It's a, it's a good resource. Uh, David Gorski and Stephen Novella are two of, two of my fav- faves over there. Uh, Stephen Novella hosts Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and David Gorski has the good sense to follow me on Twitter. So, as we all should, check the tweets and replies. That's where the heat is. <laughs> and offices were allowed to leave their masks off, but the county said the new Omicron variant has made that too risky. The county's health director points out that Omicron is very contagious and spreads among not just the unvaccinated, but the vaccinated as well. Marin County also plans to revise its exceptions for indoor masks. The county will make a formal announcement as soon as today. Alameda County continues to require masks in most indoor settings, but could announce tighter indoor mask restrictions sometime this week. Santa Clara and San Mateo counties also have an all indoor mask rule in place that's already there. Uh, The Santa Clara County Health Director tells the Mercury News she is watching closely what is happening in New York State. That state has seen its case rates and hospitalizations spike as Omicron spreads. Given that New York and California have similar vaccination rates and restrictions in place, it's possible New York could be giving us a preview as what's he- as to what's headed our way. An infectious disease specialist at UC San Diego tells the Merck that California could end up seeing a bump in hospitalizations. Reporting live here in San Ramon, Bob Riddell, today in the Bay. Well, there you go. Omic- well, are you afraid of Omicron? Um, <clears throat> afraid isn't like a really like a good word, I don't think, but uh, concerned. Yeah, because one of the things that I noticed that I keep seeing, and it, it's early, kind of early days on the on the data, is it seems like kids are catching it more. Mm. And yes, I have I have heard that. And um, I'm a I'm a little scared that San Francisco is going to go ahead and shut down my fucking first event back at the DNA Lounge this Saturday. Um, mm. I would I will not take um. I will not take indoor event bookings at places that don't require a vaccine pr- vaccine proof. I just won't do it. Um, I got asked to play a ravey rave and they said they were going to do a vaccine requirement. And I'm like, dude, your party's illegal. How are you going to do that? <laughs> like if people refuse, what are you going to do? Call the cops? Call cops. <laughs> I was like, we can't do this. But the DNA lounge is yeah. a well-known, you know, yeah. fully permitted Fully above board venue in San Francisco. And uh, the promoter is a good friend of mine, Michael Liu, who's been in the scene for a very long time. And, um, you know, I trust him to also, you know, encourage the guests to mask up when they're not uh, when they're not having a cocktail or whatever. And, you know, to do do the best that they can. Plus, it's just the old school rave scene. I know a lot of these people and I trust a lot of these people. And I've been pretty proud, actually, of the Bay Area music scene in their response to covid where we didn't see a lot of what you might expect from more of like kind of a hippie or, you know, like, like kind of renegade culture that comes along with music. So I've been really happy with the Bay area music scene, both the electronic and the, uh, like the bands, everybody's been kind of on point with the, uh, keeping everybody safe during COVID. So I'm comfortable playing that event, but San Francisco could very well shut the whole thing down by the end of the week. For all I know, we shall see. I have tickets for a show at chase center actually, uh, two weeks from now so we'll see what happens i haven't received any i've, I've only received notice that the show is still on um just make sure that you're you bring your vax card uh but we'll see so 
But I'm masking up. That's all you can do. Mask up, vax up, put some pants on. You know, Stay home as much as is humanly possible. Mask up at the store. Yes. Give people space at the store and be kind to the fucking customer service people for fuck's sake. Seriously, it's bad out there, man. It's it's actually really bad. Even veterinarians actually have here are um are uh really up against it. Like there there's a backlog um because so many people got pets during the pandemic and now, you know, they actually realize, "Oh shit, I need to take care of my pet uh of this dog." So uh there's like a wait list. We we called our dog sprained its ankle more than likely or sprained its leg. Um it's like been limping a little bit. Um but we're also worried it might be broken. And we call them and they're, "Oh yeah, maybe by a Maybe in a couple of days we can get you in for an X-ray. It's like, are you serious? So we're gonna we're gonna have to we have to go to uh, ulterior motor or other other methods here in a, in a few days. But it's it's getting bad out there. So it looks like we have a don't hate um, the cops story next on winners and losers. Well, sort of. It's the fire department, so oh, it's, uh, uh, don't hate the fire department. That'll teach me to look at a document out of the corner of my eye that I already crossed a story off on and act like I know what the fuck's on our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that maybe we'll do some don't hate the cops in a little bit, but um, yeah, the, this uh, this is uh, just an, uh, branching off from the COVID discussion um, and previous coverage of our uh, public safety officers and their acceptance of vaccines. The uh, highly vaccinated San Francisco Fire Department actually uh, has had an outbreak of COVID. So we're going to learn a little bit. And it's hit all the way to the top. So we'll hear more about that here. Now to a live look in San Francisco. Wow, it looks beautiful this morning. But this is where a spike in COVID that looks like the nighttime. is happening among a critical population. Probably like 6 a.m. And that is impacting staffing. Today in the base, Chris Sanchez joins us now with San Francisco and other communities. They're using booster mandates to try to combat the surge. Good morning, Chris. Well, good morning to you. So this spike in cases is impacting staffing, but for now, the San Francisco Fire Department says it's not impacting operations or fire response. Let's take a look at those numbers. Right now, there are at least 40 active COVID cases in the San Francisco Fire Department right now, and about 60 cases for the entire month of December, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Now, as we have reported as well, the department does have a 90 percent vaccination rate among its nearly 1,800 staff, so it speaks to the contagiousness of that Omicron variant. Now, firefighters are subject to the city's vaccine mandate, and they are now subject to the booster mandate, which requires all people who work in high-risk jobs get that booster. That also includes people who work in homeless shelters and nursing homes. For the average Joe, you will have to show proof of a booster if you want to go to any mega event like a Warriors game at the Chase Center. And there that starts February 1st. To the south, Santa Clara County also requiring first responders and other high-risk workers get boosters, which includes workers at correctional facilities. And to the east, Contra Costa County is also requiring those high-risk workers to get vaccinated. Their deadline is January 10th or those workers will have to submit to weekly tests in order to keep showing up for work. Alcantara Costa and Santa Clara counties are among the first in the state with those booster mandate policies. Our frontline workers were among the first to get vaccinated, as you will remember. So now it's been about 19 months since they got their first shots, and those boosters critical in keeping that immunity up to par. Yes, it is. All right, Chris, thank you. Yeah. It's been 19 months since the first sh- shots went out? It's yeah, like it's, less it's, than that. it's time is fucking completely dilated. Like, I'm, yeah, I think it's been 19 months since the pandemic started. I remember more, well, more than that, probably, but 20. But, uh, wow. Yeah. I'm, I, time is, time is an activist. 
Time isn't holding us. Time is an act of us. Thank you, David Byrne. Yeah, time is definitely uh, acting weird. I think like what you think about it, it's the first of 2022. It's been about two years since since we kind of knew about this this uh, this virus and people started taking like action on it. Yeah, I, I remember distinctly mid early mid January taking a drive with uh, the good wife um, down Southern California way and listening to the daily podcast from the New York Times, and it was all about this new virus coming out of uh, Wuhan in China, and it was it was actually based there. It was all talking to doctors and community members and medical officials there um, before it had even come to. Well, it probably had come to America by that point, but. Um, we just didn't know it yet. Uh, yeah, it's it's surreal. It's been two years since that moment. Um, and then March 16th will mark two years since we've been shut down here in Santa Clara County. I mean, for me, the the only like the upside is that I, I taught myself like an amazing amount of shit about bringing in people remotely and got involved with the Video Ninja Project and stuff as a result. But like, I yeah. don't prefer that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like there have been a, actually a bundle. I think of. Um, good things that have come out of this and will will continue to come out of this, but for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> um, much rather uh, have figured this out in better times. Um, but I think a lot of what we're doing here in terms of uh, remote access and virtual access, um, not just for podcasts and, and shows like ours and, and streams uh, that you put on producer Dave, but also uh, for a public service and for you know government, um, as much as it pains me to listen to some of these repeat offender public commenters, you know the fact that these meetings are more accessible now to a broader range of people, uh, I think, is a good thing. And I think we're moving. I hope that we will continue that piece of things as we move forward, um, and you and use this as an opportunity to continue down that road because it was there was a reluctance um, from government agencies to open things up like this um, previously. So I think I think uh, hopefully they're learning from experience that it's a good thing to do for sure so let's follow up on the story uh, about the tenderloin in san francisco it looks like the board of soups are uh, reconsidering their emergency declaration because they're, wait, they're like yeah, wait a minute isn't just isn't that just the tenderloin that you're describing <laughs> well it's amazing what happens when one really uh uh squeaky wheel supervisor happens to be out of town when they may take the initial vote and then comes back and says hey man <laughs> so it's our favorite our favorite supervisor back again uh oh, maybe, maybe. Uh, we just have to wait for an ad to play. Okay. I wish I could pay like a local news type subscription, right? For like five bucks a month and just kill all the ads on all the local news sites for all of it. Right? They should get together and do it. Here we go. Hopefully. All right, Sal, well, happening today, San Francisco supervisors will reconsider the approval they gave to Mayor London Breed's controversial plan to declare a state of emergency in the Tenderloin. Now, last month, the board overwhelmingly approved it. But the Chronicle says Supervisor Aaron Peskin, who was away on vacation and missed that vote, <laughs> wants to hold another hearing and possibly vote on whether to withdraw support for the emergency. Mayor Breed's declaration waives permit rules. It also speeds up the opening of a homeless service center. 
Now, today's supervisor's hearing comes as new numbers are coming out about the crackdown on drug dealing in the Tenderloin. Police say in the last week, officers seized more than 1.6 kilos of drugs. It's not a lot of drugs. More than one kilo not really. of fentanyl. A kilo is 2.2 pounds. The police also seized more than $4,300 in cash, and they made 32 felony arrests. Yeah, maybe it's time to reconsider that state of emergency because there's probably right. fucking if people if they went door to door in my neighborhood within an hour, they'd find more drugs and dope money than that. I live in I live in the fucking West Valley. <laughs> Fuck them. And how do they get 32 felony arrests out of 2.2 pounds of fentanyl? I mean, there's no way unless they're just busting people with a small well, amount, you know, and that's a I guess it's a felony. Yeah, but that's that's fucking. That's, I don't know what the mandatory minimums are. That's fucking stupid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. I, the thing is, <clears throat> I feel like they could, the part they talked about with the homeless resource center, I feel like they could shave that off of the rest of the fucking like police state bill that they're putting together. Right. And be well, like, I, let's just do that part actually and see what happens. Yeah. No, ironically, uh, you asked Bruce, you have a very good question last week when we covered this story. Um, you know, what does the supervisor for that, for the tenderloin think about this? Right. Uh, Matt Haney, he is supportive of the the um state of emergency but he couch he does couch it in like that's a big piece of it is the homeless resource center right and and, and resources he says you know, we need that too much i'm willing to he said, basically says i'm willing to take the police presence and that and everything else because this comes with that um but i yeah i agree with you why not why not pull that out and, and make that an entirely i mean you should be doing that anyway um so pull that up make it a separate thing and then then we can talk about whether or not an expanded police presence is really necessary um, but that's, that's really what, when you talk about the defund movement, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's really not so much about defunding, it's about refunding. It's about re reappropriating this money and putting it into the right places, right? Putting it into programs that support homeless individuals, unhoused individuals and support people who are on at risk of becoming homeless, um, and folks who have drug addiction issues, right? Um, and giving them support and resources and not arresting them and not, you know, not shaking them down and not brushing them from one corner to another, but actually helping them and treating them and giving them the respect and uh, dignity they deserve. Um, well, and not and just throwing more, not just throwing more, sorry, more, more, more uh, blue bloods out there and thinking that's going to solve the problem. As HK often says, when this comes up, the cars just go in the wrong way too. We need to go yeah. housing first. Correct. Because HK made a good point. He's like, do you think that a lot of people who are um, now suffering mental illness, might have not been suffering mental illness the day they got kicked out of their apartment or the day they got evicted from wherever they were at. And then mm -hmm. the stress of living on the streets then caused mm -hmm. them to have what people would consider to be mental illnesses, but are in fact just a res a very human response to their environment. And that's like, that's like, I'd never heard anyone say that. He said that in the post game of the intellectual dollar tree. Oh, you have it. Go ahead. <laughs> so exactly. It, his his argument was like, hey, what? Let's house these people first. Some of these problems yeah. that people are having are going to resolve themselves or become much more manageable once they can go to bed, shut the door, get up in the morning, and take a fucking shower. Maybe watch some TV, cook some breakfast, and just do the things that everybody else does. If they have some um, uh, mental health problems, first of all, it's going to be a lot easier to manage in that situation. And for some of those people, what we're calling mental health issues will go away as soon as the stress of being without a place to live goes away or shortly after. And very true. Very true. So yeah, I just think that I just think that the 
in a lot of cases, and I think he's right. In a lot of cases, the, they got the car going the wrong way. The the addiction yeah. and mental Ill, mental illness problems may be a result of being on the street. Truth, truth. Um, and you'll find a lot of the housing advocates in our, or most housing advocates, almost all housing advocates, I would say, in at least in our area and around California, agree with you there that uh, housing first. That's their model. You get someone housed, and it's and it all starts from there. Um, and you're absolutely right that um, the PTSD and the trauma and um, the the issues that folks are having are generally caused by the fact that they're on the street. It's not the re- reason they're on the street. It's the it's 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 caused by them living on the street um, and the trauma that that uh, involves. So yes, hundred percent agree. Um, and hopefully, we can get leaders elected who who agree with this too. Um, unfortunately, we've got people like you know uh, Matt Mahan running for mayor in San Jose who are like the wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing where they say you know well, we need to help these people but um, we also need to you know we need them to take the hand up when we give it to them you know we need to force people to accept I'm with the, I'm with the hand up if, and, I'm with the hand up if that hand up is a fucking studio apartment right right, right. you know what I'm saying if it if it ain't a fucking place if it ain't a fucking place where you have a little privacy and close the door yeah. and lock a door and have yeah. a window and just things that, nor- that that everybody else fucking has. I almost said normal people. I get, I'm trying to train myself out of talking that way. It's <laughs> that's the hand up. If that's yeah. not your hand up, then fucking, I hope they bite your hand. Like, yeah. And watch out for anyone who's talking about forcing anyone to do anything. Right. Um, that's cause they're just playing to it. They're playing a tune that I don't think any of us want to hear. I mean, we don't need to go down that road. Um, I, I think using persuasion to get people to accept housing is good. Yes. Be like, Hey, yes. How would you like a heater? <laughs> yes. Like, and, and, and like I said, again, treating people with, with dignity and respect and, and working with them over it. It takes, sometimes it takes a long period of time. Sometimes folks have been, are so traumatized from living on the streets because they've been on the street for a long time. And it's very, it's just, it's, it's a challenge to get reaccustomed to, like you said, having a door you can lock, right? Uh, having a space that's your own, having privacy, right? Having quiet, Right. Having I've actually heard uh, folks who have been housed after living on the street for many, many years that, you know, they wanted to like they were inclined to sleep on like their balcony because there was noise and they couldn't sleep without constant noise because they're just used to that. Right. They were they were they felt weirded out in their room with you know, with uh, walls and, and quiet. Um, and that's that, that right there. I think it speaks volumes about you know, how the kind of effort and the kind of uh, compassion and consistency it's going to take to solve this, um, to address this issue. I don't know if we so can ever there's, solve it. there's this idea that seems a little bit similar. It's a uh, folks who have been in prison for a very long time. They become institutionalized. Yeah. And now yeah. when they, when they get out, even if they have the support system they need, they're, you know, hooked up with an apartment from family or some kind of, you know, social services helps them out or whatever. They're like, it takes them so long to be, get used to a life that isn't life inside. And I think what yeah. you're describing about people coming off the street, mind you, they weren't imprisoned against their will, but there's still like a, an adjustment period that comes with having to live your life this certain way under this amount of stress with this, yeah. you know, uncertainty about your safety, uncertainty about, well, in prison, it's just your safety primarily because you're housed and, and fed generally. But um, you think about mm-hmm. being, you know, you think about being on the street you're uncertain about your safety. You're in a different way, right? Like, am I going to freeze to death tonight? Um, 
you're uncertain about are you going to have something to eat so it's like all that uncertainty goes away and it's not like your brain just pops into uh, like into my uncertainty is gone mode now you're uncertain about how tenuous maybe your current situation is are they going to pull the rug out from under me here or you know the right. uh, like are my are my normie neighbors going to accept me will they you know what i'm like there's going to be all this other Mm-hmm. uncertainty so yeah it's this it's probably almost the same phenomena 100 percent um you know dead right so so we'll see it's but again it's it's just underscores it's going to take it takes consistent approach it takes being able to build relationships with folks right um uh to really get them you know where they uh, where they want to be and where they where they need to go um so that's the kind of compassion that you just don't see from you know cops you don't see from elected officials they, they all just seem to be concerned with results and numbers and it's not really how it works um so it's it's a lot more it's it's a lot more not to say complicated it's just it's not really actually it really isn't that complicated um it's actually pretty straightforward it just takes time and persistence and uh that's unfortunately not something a lot of folks have in abundance these days Right, so no, let's move sorry. on to our next story. It seems what, like there's what? scammers yet again calling people pretending to be uh, some agency that you might owe money to. And uh, yeah, this is a, this is a PSA for our our listener. Seven on your side. Heads up here, a warning tonight from PG&E. Imposters are out in force posing as PG&E billing agents, telling victims their power is about to be shut off unless they pay an overdue bill. And of course, it's cold, so everybody worries about that. It's all a scam, and it's targeted thousands of Bay Area residents, especially during the holidays. A South Bay man lost nearly $2,000 to these imposters back in October. He came to Seven on Your Side's Michael Finney to warn everyone, do not fall for this and what a scam there's a new one every day yeah this one is really ramped up during the holidays. are those the same guy this guy no, right <laughs> just a different wig a call comes in saying it's pg and e that you didn't pay your bill and your power it's about ready to be turned off victims panic they send in their money only of course it's not really pg and e this fellow had me convinced that uh trucks were on their way to my house to shut the power off. Douglas Gillison of Campbell was just waking on a Saturday morning when the call came in. The caller ID looked legitimate. It's this guy, and he's, he sounds very, very convincing. The man on the phone said Douglas's utility bill was past due. PG&E was on the way to shut off power, and it was almost too late to stop it. I asked the guy if I could pay with a credit card, and he said, no, it's, it's just not enough time. The only way to do this was to pay using Zelle. The imposter told him to use the Zelle Quick Pay app so it would get there in time. He did a very good job of making it seem like an emergency. And so I, I hurried out of bed and, and uh, come to the computer. I make this payment and he says, uh, okay, that, that's come through. But the man said it went to the wrong place by mistake. Douglas had to do it over again and he could refund the first payment back to himself. And I'm supposed to write a certain code in the memo section. And again, I'm not very familiar with Zell. He made five transactions, not realizing the money was really going to the crooks. I don't know what came over me other than I had a house full of people, little kids playing with their electronics and people watching TV. And so I thought I'd just come here and take care of it. We have seen that the number of scams have increased throughout our service area, especially in the Bay Area. PG&E says imposters have targeted thousands during the pandemic. Oh God, they're like hackers and shit. <laughs> San Jose, 
Followed no, no, by no, 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 Francisco. Folks threatened with power shutoffs. This puts people in a panic and they will ask for immediate payment in order to keep the lights or gas on. Don't fall for it. PG&E will never call you Don't to call. threaten you to make a payment immediately to avoid service disconnection. Even if you do owe money, PG&E says you'll get a notice in the mail with an option for a payment plan. After several transactions, Douglas got suspicious and called PG&E directly. Am I in good standing? And Oh, yeah, absolutely. Your account's fine. There's nothing you need to do. A call he wished he'd made before. I'd like to warn people there's some really good con men out there. That's what they do for a living. They're great. They can. You don't say. I think they can't, but they can't. PG&E also would never demand payment, by the way, from Zelle or any other apps or with prepaid money cards. If someone demands payment in an odd way, it's almost yeah. certainly a scam. Just hang up. They are the same guy. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, if you check out the, the video of this, it seems like the guy doing the story and the anchor were like the same dude. <laughs> so just an FYI for anyone who's never paid a bill before in your entire life, like uh, especially a, a utility bill. Um, yeah, you a phone call with someone on the way to shut your power off is never going to happen, right? You're, you're going to get so many notices um, that, you know, you're overdue, blah, 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 blah. I think it took, I, I remember the one time my power got shut off. I think it was because roommate or someone who was supposed to pay the bill had been like months and they hadn't paid it and they'd gotten we'd gotten notices but we hadn't seen them and suddenly it just went off <laughs> um but they never actually call you to say like hey pay this or else um so you know that's one thing right there second thing like why you know why are you answering the phone in the middle of the night and getting out of bed to do this like that there's no way they're going to call you in the middle of well, the night. well he said he had a house full you. of people there but like <clears throat> i just i it's like it's like real important that if a lot of these places aren't just aren't going to fucking call you and if they do call you, you go, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and check my account on the Internet yeah. or let me give you a call back. They, they give you a yeah. number. You go, no, the number for PG&E is, is easy to find. Thank you. And then fucking right. call PG&E yourself or check your account online. It's easy. Right. I've had <clears throat> I had I had a scam call me about uh, my Comcast bill once. And I was like, um, th that's weird. I have auto pay enabled. They're like, it's not going through. And I said, my sure. bank says it's going through. Is my bank lying? And they're like, yes. And I said, why would my bank lie about that? It was, I, right. I, I, was, I was inclined to waste some of their time, but then I just hung up on them because I had some other shit to do. That's fun. That's what you should do. I get emails all the time about, you know, overdue that this, that, or the other thing. They come mostly come to the spam filters and folders, but sometimes they get into the main account and you just, you know, you re it's not that hard to read between the lines, especially like you said, if you, you got to know what you're paying for, right? Um, I know that there's, you know, a lot of us out there now with subscriptions online, right? Not utilities or big, you know, house kind of things, but you know, your five dollars here, your five, your one fifty a year there to different subs subscriptions to different, you know, music services or storage services or whatever have you, right? Uh, uh, newspapers you want to read, um, or whatever you want to call the newspaper anymore online. Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of that kind of spread out there, and there's a lot of stuff you don't know about. So, may, but make sure you know what you're paying right like every now and then check your bank statements and and make sure that everything's still working properly and just uh, have some peace of mind there but yeah and then have some have some thought for yourself and and don't just make two thousand dollars worth of payments on zelle to some like over and over again too that's the like one time i understand but like they they're like oh yeah that went to the wrong person do it again oh you oh sorry can you do it again um 
you know, how many times do you do that before we start to think shame on you? <laughs> well, that guy's going to get all his money back too, because Zell is like more a, than likely. Zell is like affiliated with the banks or whatever, so that guy's going to get all his money back. Yeah, more than likely. But uh, so anyway, PSA for everyone out there: just be careful, right? And if you're and don't be that guy or gal at work and click on the phishing email, please don't be that person. God, that was the worst having to, having to school those those folks. So please don't click on links that from incredibly suspicious looking emails <laughs> read 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 so up next we got a story about hotel staffing and it looks like robots are filling in and i think this is pretty yeah. cool except that like maybe maybe it's not i don't know what if one of the, i just don't want to get in a fight with one of these robots let's see what the, let's see what uh, we have here from our local news this is how hotels are dealing with staffing shortages. A guest would like a soft drink delivered to the room. This robot will handle the task. Designed by Silicon Valley's Savvy Oak, the Relay robot is ready to deliver. They're in this kind of crunch mode where the, the higher paid staff are filling in for things that, frankly, robots can do. The robot needs to be trained only once to navigate the lobby and hallways. It even has been adapted to call for an elevator. Once inside, it can press the button for the designated floor. Hotel corridors can be trained nice. to navigate, even for humans, with housekeeping carts and other guests. So what happens when this robot comes and I happen to be in the way? <laughs> oh, it's like a human interaction. <laughs> and if I step in this path again... He's like, hey, yeah, fucker. We could sort of a dance here, couldn't we? Look at that. How long until the robot shoots him? Characteristic that makes the <laughs> right? robot or zaps human, him like R2D2 would. Really is good at getting around people. Look at how it handles a crowded lobby. Once it gets to the room, it calls the guest to announce its arrival. A robot is waiting outside your door for you to pick it up. <laughs> That's the last the thing I want to hear if I'm hungover. <laughs> is that a robot is waiting outside my door? Requested. You don't have. But to it's got it. my. It's got my Coca-Cola um, though. There's no. There's no obligation. There's no handout. Um, and. Um, and you don't even have to get dressed for it. The robot has reduced room service from 30 down to. I'm not going to. I don't want that robot to see me naked. Also reduces Seriously, I would be. I would be answering the door in a hotel naked, no matter who's out there. That they can have items to. Or what? And not have that contact with the human being. And it, again, it's more <laughs> of an enhanced experience than it is replacing someone. The robot's on call 24-7. It doesn't have days off or take vacations. In Sunnyvale, David Louie, ABC 7 News. That thing's terrifying. Yes. Um, and what kind of, it, it's amazing the world we're living in now, right? Where it's like, for those people, for those who want the, uh, you know, enhanced experience of no human contact, um, it's just amazing how where we've come with this pandemic. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of like commonplace now. I, I don't know. I mean, whatever. It just, it just sucked. I don't know. Like they're like, oh no, the fucking middle management had to deliver a soda. This is a tragedy. Right. <laughs> right. I think if you were like working God. at a desk all day and you had you had an hour where you got to interact with the guests and shit, I think that'd be kind of cool. You get to get up and walk around, fuck yeah, like be a part of the community or whatever that is the hotel you're at. I guess that's Absolutely. bad though, bad for the bottom line, right? Because they're like, well, why are we paying you all this money to do something that we were paying someone poverty wages for before? Excuse me. Speaking of that, the, the I saw a story last night we can have on next week, but uh, the superintendent of schools in San Francisco was called into emergency action to uh, teach sixth grade science class, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so they had, a, they, had a, they had a clip on that the other night. Speaking of being called to do uh, your your usual, uh, basically, you know, slave wage job. 
Oh man, that sucks. You know, uh, to their credit, when the school district I worked at, this the superintendents once a month would go in and uh, and put themselves up on the sub list and go in and teach um, at least once a month in the classroom just to remember what it was like because they were all teachers at one point. Right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, not too bad. But yeah, it was just really funny to hear like, well, it was great getting back in the classroom from my $400,000 a year job. <laughs> um, while the teachers, you know, I was replacing are making like 50K a year. Um, all right. Well, that was winners and losers. And we always like to round out winners and losers with a call to get your shit together. And, and more often than not, it's about the fucking tower. It's about the tower. <laughs> it's about the tower. So there's a whole new, new, new way that it's leaning so let's learn more about it from our good folks at the unit. Now, will this one work? There's now a revised plan to help. <laughs> the news stop is the like, will this work? Leaning Millennium Tower. We have reported that crews are drilling support piles into the ground to help shore up that building. But now it looks like they're going to install way fewer piles than originally planned. Investigative reporter Jackson Vanderbecken has a story. The Millennium Tower is now tilting some 26 inches at the corner of Fremont and Mission Street. Some of that brought on during the installation of a so-called fix. When crews dug around the building on two sides and installed the first nine support piles down to bedrock out of a planned 52 piles. But now, after months of testing, there's a change. Engineer Ron Hamburger, who is in charge of the fix, is only calling for a total Ron of 18 Hamburger. piles. He sent a letter to Millennium Tower owners warning the building will still tilt and sink a little more before the work is done next year. But says the 18-pile solution offers an optimal solution between additional settlement and benefit gained. Hamburger adds sinking only 18 piles won't provide as much uniform support as 52 piles would have, so they can expect less tilt recovery to the north. There's a lot of concern about it. Foundation expert David Williams says the new plan could easily overstress the 10-foot-thick foundation mat, causing it to crack underneath. Any cracks will just open up and they become uh, paths for corrosion, They're basically allowing water to get into the mat foundation, corroding the reinforcing steel in there, which is its structural um that basically provides the structural capacity of the map. The city-appointed design review panel has yet to sign off on the revised fix plan. Meanwhile, Hamburger says fix work will go forward under the existing city permit. Jackson Vanderbecken, NBC, Bay Area News. Whatever. Ronald O. Hamburger. Ronald O. Hamburger. <laughs> like, oh man, what a great bureaucrat name. Like, whatever, I guess. Like, whatever. Do whatever you want with a fucking tower at this point. Like, fucking... Take it down, man. Like, the, the foundation could crack, and then what? Like, oh my god. Just take it down. We're gonna save money. We're, they're trying to save money. Is that really what they're trying to do? Like, in terms of less piles? Like, they're trying to save money? Or they think that more doing more would do less? I don't understand. Just take the thing down. I Just Take it apart like a Lego set. Yeah, like, it's... it's And rebuild it. Right, you can keep most of the pieces. Yeah, just rebuild it, take it down, and put it back up again. Like all that pergo, all this, all that pergo floor in there is fucking modular and easy to remove. All them windows can just be taken off. Yeah, exactly. We can take pictures of your interior design, you know, and we'll rebuild it, put it back together again, and we're, we're gonna have to pay for it. But it's better than paying the, the lawsuits. 
that are going to result from all this when they're finally when they finally admit that they can't fix it then the lawsuits start coming right that's when it's right when they they have it's it's sort of like it's probably time to when they say like well we can't do anything else this is the best we can do then the lawsuits will start to be filed oh well well, good. Uh, fuck well, whoever it, the developer. Always, fuck whoever the developer was. Fuck them. Let them get those lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think there was some public money involved in that building too, from what I understand. It's in that that Transbay Terminal, Salesforce Tower area where there was a lot of public investment. So I think there might even be some public dollars in that building. Oh, goody. Great. Well, that. Uh, well, you know who gets left holding the pub? Do something. You know who ended up getting left holding the bag if there was a public-private partnership and somebody sues? The public part. <laughs> the public. Yeah, the public. Yeah, us. yeah of course. We don't. Do, well, we don't get our taxes back suddenly. You know, we don't. We don't get our tax dollars back suddenly because the government fucked up. They get to keep that um, with the promise that they'll do better, and then maybe the government gets their money back, and then they do something else with it. But it's still our. You know, it's no longer our money. It's theirs. Well, speaking of uh, getting money back from the government or getting some retribution, um, we're going to go to Recall Watch which we can call it this week because we're going to do nothing but recall. Um, so we've got a special election coming up in February. I want to say February 15, um, and to, uh, potentially recall three San Francisco school board members. This is part of a broad swath of recall efforts happening up and down the state, all across the country. Um, school, local school boards and local councils and supervisors are under attack from the same folks who on the 6th of January last year, the same type of folks who invaded the Capitol last year, um, are now invading our local school boards. Um, so there's an attempt to recall three school board members in San Francisco that's actually gained support from a lot of prominent individuals, including the mayor. Um, and they've raised enough money to be able to have some, some ads, some TV ads. So we're going to look at a few of their uh, there are their package of uh, 30 second ads that are more likely going to be popping up on your TV screen a lot in the next uh, couple months if you live in this area. San Francisco's leaders are coming together to support the recall of school board members Collins, Lopez and Maliga. Join this growing coalition and vote yes on the recall February 15th. They failed at their jobs and failed our kids. The first one was a 15 second hit. Any news on why the the mayor go. is uh, supporting it? No, other than there's been a long time feud, you would say, between the or uh, long standing feud between the school board and the the city government. Um, most uh, folks may not, may or may not listener may or may not be aware of this. Um, I've noticed that a lot of our a lot of <laughs> the anti vaxxers and other other uh, the recall proponents on Twitter and other places and social media don't really understand it either, but cities generally don't control the schools, nor do the counties even. Um, schools are controlled for the most part by school districts, by their own their own governing structure. It's different in places like Chicago, I believe, where the, the city does run the schools as well as the city. Um, but here in the Bay Area and anywhere, mostly in California, school districts run themselves. Um, so the city has nothing to do with it. Um, but uh, they don't hesitate to try to get involved and to get into metal um and so there's been some friction between the school district and the city in terms of how things have been going during the pandemic um and if anything if anything there's a political calculation being made here that this might be successful um because there's a lot of movement behind it and there has been a lot of vitriol against particularly this school board um and in san francisco 
as well. So, so things can tend, tend to get a little, they're all always politicized. Um, so it's not surprising to see some elected officials, um, even high ranking ones, um, siding, uh, against it, uh, for, for what it's worth, uh, DA Boudin, I think, and others, um, from the more progressive wings are opposing it. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, uh, it's, it's not terribly surprising, but there's not a whole lot of, I think, reasoning given other than we don't like them and they've been, you know, they've been mean to us. So here's the second ad. This is playing politics. Uh, I think so there's, yeah. The this is a series of ads now um, about really from you know, three different perspectives. The pandemic made teaching and learning really hard. But instead of working to help students safely return to the classroom, the San Francisco School Board focused on renaming schools and playing politics. And they've even saddled our district with a $125 million deficit. Our children can't wait for new leadership. Here's our chance for a fresh start. On February 15th, please recall school board members Collins, Lopez, and Maliga before our kids fall even further behind. So basically they should be recalled because they took precautions to ensure the safety of their kids and their district. And because they unfortunately faced a budget deficit because of COVID um, and having to pay their people but also not getting the reimbursement from the state that they normally would. Um, because by the way, state, the state legislature determines the funding that the school districts get to run their districts. Like I said, the school districts run their districts, but the state determines what money they get to do it with. Um, also not the city or the county, but the state. Or like, like a large part a of their problem. A, with... a large part of their budget is allocations from the state. Yeah. Oh, almost all, almost all of it, frankly, unless you have a strong local parcel tax, right? Like in Palo Alto, uh, and other, you know, really affluent areas, um, they've agreed, people, the voters have agreed to tax themselves to provide additional support to the school district, right? Uh, it almost all exclusively comes through the state and through formulas that the state determines, right? And state law determines. So if you have a problem with school funding, you really should be talking to your state legislator, um, about it, uh, and if you have a problem with how those funds are allocated, then you can have a gripe with your school district. But at the end of the day, this is a policy disagreeance, frankly, um, when it comes down to it. It's an emotional policy disagreeance, but it's basically a disagreement over policy, a disagreement over policy. And that's what elections are for. And I think almost all of these school board members are up for re-election this year, later this year in November, if everything played out normally. Um, but no, they, these folks don't want to wait. It's too important. You know, we need to get them out of there and get you know, rational people like Monty uh, <laughs> elected to the school board instead. Um, so I, 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 again, I, I, you can probably tell, I think this is much ado about nothing and we need, we need to start focusing on moving forward. But anyway, we're going to hear from another perspective of why these board members should be recalled in 30 it's seconds. nearly two years since the pandemic started. Our students and teachers tried their best, but as a parent, I can tell you that nearly 18 months of remote learning was really hard. I'm so angry that instead of helping our kids get back in the classroom, the school board focused on renaming schools, schools that weren't even open. Please, recall all three school board members now. For the sake of our kids, we can't wait one more day, never mind a whole year for a fresh start. Uh, so the parent, the parent perspective, teacher perspective, parent perspective, and then the third is I forget what the, the final one is here. Well, we had, we had, I don't know. The first one was like just a 15 second hit. The next one was, I guess, a, a 
parent perspective or something. Oh, the next one was playing politics and the third one was a parent perspective. So we're going to, yeah. oh, didn't focus on reopening the schools. They're going to talk again about the fucking renaming the schools. And, you know, the, the thing oh, with yes. this is They're... that renaming the schools took them, what, 10 minutes? <laughs> more than likely. They probably, and more than likely the board didn't spend a whole lot of time on it anyway, right? And and no one really probably did. It was, it's an administrative thing. It was pretty straightforward. Um. And frankly, it was responsive to the community. <laughs> people in the community wanted this that to happen. It's just that these particular people in the community, this parent or that teacher, did not really think it was appropriate. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hammer that home because more than likely they have polling that tells them that that was the the most effective hit on on these school board members. Are they at large or is this by district? It's um, I believe this is at large for now. I'm sure at some point it's going to go to trustee area if it's not already. But I believe it's this this recall is district wide. I don't understand why they're not trying to recall all of the school board members and why these particular three have earned their wrath other than their people, all three people of color. But hey, I you know, just putting that out there. All right. Well, here's uh, the last. Here's the last ad. Some, yeah. Go for it to talk about renaming schools another parent we didn't put opening schools on the agenda until almost a year into the pandemic talk about misplaced priorities they're failing at their jobs recall the school board now whatever that's also not at all true they they were talking about reopening and how to get to reopening for many 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 months during you know up until they did reopen um and they were working with teachers with parents with Everyone I and mean, everyone was just as confused and just as uncertain about things as anyone else. Um, and no one had all the answers. So again, this is so silly that we're spending tax taxpayer dollars on this. Um, there was even a push from uh, supervisors at the city who were supportive of the recall effort, trying to get the city to pay for it. Right. So the school, the poor school district wasn't you know, and, uh, burdened with the cost of the election, but they are, they're being, they are being burdened and it sucks. Some, you know, they, sh the recall proponents should have to fucking pay for the election. Um, but that's not how things work, unfortunately. Uh, so it, it, it's a shame that we're spending money and time and energy on this. Just like it's, it's, it's ironic as fuck, right? Cause what they're, what are they talking about? You should focus, you should focus on helping the kids, right? You should focus on helping the fucking kids, right? Why are we talking about this recall? Why don't you, why aren't you working with the school board to figure things out and to, to solve things rationally instead of wasting our time with this bullshit? Um, so to back, I put it back on them. You fucking focus. <laughs> you focus on our kids instead of making fancy TV ads. I think, uh, I think Jordan Peterson has, so, this, Jordan Peterson has this to say about it. The school board should be like, you fucking leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and not to mention like you know i don't know if it's ha happening at the school board level but elected officials facing death threats and threats of violence on their staff you know and staff members having to walk into offices you know unsure of what's going to happen to them that's fucked up you know i don't care what kind of disagreement you have um with folks i think ted cruz is a lying sack of shit balls um and i don't agree with him on almost anything however I don't wish violence upon him and I certainly wouldn't wish violence upon his staff or anyone you know, in his family. That's just, uh, that's for Donald Trump to do. Um, so, but yeah, but that's, I mean, this is, this is okay. the same thing we're seeing up in Shasta County. I mean, it, I just keep bringing that up when we talk about this. Yeah. I keep bringing that up yeah. when we talk about this stuff because yeah. it's like we watched it there first and it seems like in some ways that's the model almost. It's like, get the community outraged, yeah. get the community outraged and like, 
bothering the 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 elected officials and then get the recall going once that fucking snowball has already started on its way down yeah. the hill you know yeah absolutely um and it's stuff that we've been like you've said before we've been looking at in other areas and seeing coming from bubbling up to the surface you know for many years frankly um even prior to to the orange behemoth um so uh you know shame on everyone else for not listening <laughs> um and not being better prepared i think we're much better prepared for this and if anything um you know we can help we can help we can help you respond we can help uh everyone out there our friends respond to this ridiculousness um and effectively and not just throw up your hands because i see a lot of throwing up hands i see a lot of like oh this is the, it's so horrible and everything's so bad and everything's in crisis and just you know calm down breathe and do something about it yeah for sure well my, what do we have for what do we have anyway, for and what do we have for and another thing tonight or today well, as you as you know, we do like to focus on our, our animal brethren and our, our, our fellow animals um, with another thing. So this is a, a heartwarming story of redemption for a little lost dog. It's Possibly. a palate cleanser. Possibly. Possibly. This is how you feel about French bulldogs. Look at that face. About a happy ending to Aww. a terrifying New Year's look at Day that dog face. Tonight, we're hearing from that dog's owner. The French bulldog puppy was just stolen brazenly over the weekend. Yeah, she was out on a walk in the Marina District of San Francisco. ABC 7 News anchor Liz Kreutz talked to the dog's owner about the ordeal. Hi, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. We missed you, baby girl. This is nine-month-old Rosie, back home now, tail wagging, overjoyed after reuniting this afternoon with her owner. I, you know, <laughs> called her name and he had, it, she just gave me a face full of wet kisses. Um, it was just so great to see her. It's a happy and very lucky ending to a terrifying incident more than 48 hours ago. <laughs> In this surveillance video, you can hear the audio from 10 a.m. on New Year's Day, when Rosie, a French bulldog puppy, was brazenly stolen while on a walk with her owner in the marina. The owner, who asked not to be identified, said a car pulled up alongside her. A man jumped out, grabbed Rosie, and jumped back in the car. The owner jumped on the hood of the car to try to stop it. They started um, revving the engine and backing up a bit and I ultimately got off the hood of the Aww. car and then they screamed, the car screamed away. Rosie's owner offered $10,000, no questions asked for Rosie's safe return. You know, these kinds of dogs, because of their size, their value, their demeanor, they're, they're easily targeted. And that's the unfortunate part. French bulldog thefts have become increasingly common, and Rosie's owner feared, like many stolen pups, they'd never find her. But this morning, they got a call from police. Someone said they had purchased Rosie in the Sacramento area and wanted to return her in exchange for the monetary reward. They got their monetary reward. I said no questions asked. So at this point, um, it's in the hands of the police department. Well, they do hope for some accountability. Right now, they're just relieved to be reunited with Rosie. I'm just really, really grateful and so um, fortunate that she's home. Liz Kreutz, ABC 7 News. Aww. Well, more than likely, it was the same people that stole her that returned her and got the $10,000 reward. But at least Rosie's back home. Yeah, um, I think that, <clears throat> you know, it must be nice to be able to bust out $10,000 to get your dog back. 
seriously i know that the good wife has a secret account that she won't let me have access to to help fund dog related activities um <laughs> but it's really for emergency surgeries and things like that right um not necessarily for ransom as far as i know so yeah i, I definitely don't have 10 g's to drop on doggy ransom i'm sorry josie your, your dog is um, lovely but i doubt anybody <laughs> would try to ransom your dog off you know I, I would hope not. She's a mutt. You know, no one needs, she's not purebred or anything. She's beautiful, but you know, she's not necessarily in high demand. She's our, she's our pooch. Um, well, anyway, thank you once again, Bruce Dave for a wonderful episode of down ballot. Hope we can see everyone live next Tuesday night at seven thirty Pacific next Tuesday night. I might have new internet. That's right. The filter, the, the filter, the fiber might be coming soon. So stay tuned listener. It's going to get large. So this show's live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Usually Um, check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Make sure you're following us in all the pod places and check out our other shows. This is Locals by Audible Smoke Signal. Thanks for listening to Down Ballot. Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage, waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand, ready to blaze for me About five minutes later, we're all singing We let get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and we do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band, enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one and another one. Now just when the magic starts kicking in, now here we left playing, and you know it's time to head in. All right, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink, spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me. Yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we want to do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight. It's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside. Just spark up another joint now. Who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the US economy. The truth is, is that I don't Logically, stone to eat, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky the roller, you're the sexy girl, be jockin' me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppily. We do what we want, what we wanna do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. 
to do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band So sit back and enjoy the band Yeah.